Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. I'm so excited to be here on this podcast with you. First of all, I want to thank you for all of your listens. We have now reached over 500 downloads on Pastor Bites, and that's through all the platforms from Stitcher to iTunes to Google Play, Spotify, and also on the website now. We're over 500 downloads, and that's because you're listening, you're being faithful, and thank you for that. I also want to encourage you to rate those or to star those episodes that you like. Uh, rate the podcast if you're on iTunes, and also you can even leave comments. That allows us to get into another audience. The more downloads, the more likes and ratings we have, the more we'll be able to get the Word of God out. And that's our goal, is to be able to get the Scripture out to a lost and dying world that people may be changed through the power of God's Word. And I want to talk to you on this podcast about a certain topic that's dear to my heart, and that topic is why our culture is losing faith. And you know, that's an interesting thought, an interesting idea to me, because look at the news and listen to some of the bizarre things that are happening, and you can see every time you turn the TV on, how our culture is losing faith. You know, years ago it started separation of church and state. You know, we kicked God out of the schools. We kicked prayer out of the schools. But our culture is really adapting to a more liberal lifestyle. They're really rejecting God and the things of God. And I want to talk to you a little bit about why this happens and why some of this evil this just seems like we're getting more evil and more evil all the time. But in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, and I like the amplified version says, or no revelation of God in his word, the people are unrestrained. And that's what's happening. This word vision can also be changed to knowledge that, that where there's no revelation of God in his word, the people are unrestrained. And that's so important to understand that that's what's happening in our world today. People are just unrestrained. You know, they're saying now in a lot of states that we can have, that a woman can have a baby and put it on the operating table and kill the baby. The doctor and her can have a conversation that about this poor baby's life that has no choice, but the woman can make a choice because it's her body. That's when people are unrestrained. And back in Proverbs time, they understood because of the evilness of the world around them. And we're seeing that. People are unrestrained because there's no word of God. They don't think about God. They don't think about his word anymore. You know, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That knowledge was knowledge in the things of God. And it says, Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I'll also forget your children. So see, we're seeing a curse on the people, a nation that stood up and said, We don't want God anymore. We don't want God's laws anymore. We want to be our own God. And and this is a very common theme throughout time, but it's more and more. Now it's crossed into America. This great country that was founded on God, founded on the scripture, founded on the things of God, now and the principles of God, now we're saying in America, in our culture, that's the culture I'm talking about, losing faith, losing God, forgetting God, is because now they've rejected knowledge. They've rejected the things of God and said, hold up, we don't want to do that anymore. That's just old-fashioned. That's just, that's too narrow-minded. We're evolving. We're progressive. You know, we're being a, we're now, we're a progressive society. It's not that any of the rest of the world hasn't already done this, that we shouldn't have learned already from places like, places like India, places like France. But now we, as American people, we've said, we don't want the knowledge of God. And this is a curse. It says, all you, God says through Hosea, I'll forget your children. And we're being forgotten because we've forgotten God first. The next thing I want to talk about is is moral relativism. You know, moral relativism is really where we're at today, what a lot of our children are learning. You know, that there's basically this is the position, this is the definition, then I'll explain.
explain, it's a position that moral or ethical propositions or ideas do not reflect objective and or universal moral truths. So basically, there's just no moral, there's not a real truth, there's not a real morality. You know, instead, makes claims to relative to social, cultural, historical, or personal circumstances. So that's just saying that my circumstances dictate they're subjective to what I've been through. So if I think it's okay, then it's okay. And who are you to tell me it's not okay? There's basically no truth for you that's universal. There's no moral truth that we can point in any direction outside of what we believe. Think about how obtuse and how horrible that that is. To think that whatever I've been through in my life, whatever I've come to the conclusion of, it's so bad now that people are being sued for calling a he a he and a she a she. It's a cry and shame. This is this is moral relativism at its core. You know, this is nothing new. The German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche said this, you have your way, I have my way. As for the right way, it does not exist. And he was from, he was born in 1844 and died in 1900. A famous German philosopher. He says it's he at 24 years old, he sat on a panel of philosophers. One of the greatest philosophers of his time said this, you have your way, I have my way. As for the right way, it does not exist. A German philosopher, where do you think Hitler come up with his idea? It, that moral relativism at its core leads to Hitler, his type of thinking. Hey, if I decide you're Jew and I don't like you, I'll kill you. That's really, it's it's so bizarre, but that's where this idea comes to. You're not right. And by the way, what I've noticed is the greatest people that are wrong in America now are pointed to as bigots and that they're wrong are people that stand up and say there's any truth at all. You know, the problem with this idea of moral relativism, you have to answer two questions. Is there anything wrong with anything? Well, we know there's something wrong with some things, but if you follow this out to the end and you say it's okay to have a baby born and have it on the table and you make a decision and if we decide to kill the baby, that's okay because it's woman's choice. That's not murder. You're, there are people instructed not to even call now, not to even call babies a baby until they're born. We don't call them a baby anymore. We're not supposed to call them that. I mean, the, our culture, our society in America, we've lost our ever-loving mind. But we got to answer the question, is there anything wrong with anything? Now, think about that. Is there anything wrong with anything? The moral relativists have to say that they believe in no moral law, that there's not a universal law, that there's not anything outside of us that dictates what truth and law is, then they got to say, no, there's nothing wrong with anything. So that means if I murder someone, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, they may, they won't come out and say that. They'll have be a long way down the train track before they get there. But truthfully, in this, the, the depths of this, you have to say there's really nothing wrong with anything. You know, hey, there's some cultures, they're cannibals. They eat each other. They kill each other. Hey, who am I to say that's wrong or right? You know, th- that's so bizarre. And then the second thing you got to ask yourself, if you believe this or to someone that believes this, if there is something wrong with some things, then why? If there's nothing outside of me that decides it, if I don't like you, I can just kill you. If I don't like you, I can just rob from you or steal from you or treat you like an animal. You know, what are they trying to do? They're, they're trying to do the same thing the devil did. The, this culture, this idea of no truth, no, you know, you're hated if you stand up and say this is wrong or that is wrong. This culture, really way back in Adam and Eve's time, in Genesis chapter 3, remember who, what the serpent said, you shall not surely die. The serpent challenged God's word. And remember, 
remember uh, verse 4 that said, The serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. So he challenged the word of God and says, What I say is right. You know, God's not right. And then listen to this. And ye shall be as God's knowing good and evil. This thought process is seated in the depths of hell. Knowing good and evil. That's what the serpent said. And that's what society's trying to tell the Christian people. I have the right to know good and evil. You don't have the right to tell me good and evil. And it's so bizarre that we are buying into this. Our children are, are learning from school teachers. Now, I'm not against public school. I sent my kids to public school. But some of the stuff my kids told me, it was just heartbreaking. Some of the stuff the teachers, hey, they don't have to have a class on atheism. They don't have to have a class on moral relativism because they got a, the devil has evangelists just like God has evangelists. People that are teaching our children, several of my children were challenged right here in our little town by teachers. Their faith was challenged saying there is no God. You know, who do you have a right to say? You're a bigot or you're wrong. And most of these teachers lived a sinful lifestyle they want to justify. But you know, in Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Verse 15 says this, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness. This is the key scripture for battling this idea that there's no right, there's no wrong, there's nothing objective outside of me, but my truth is subjective to what I say, what I what I think there is. And this is the key scripture that I like to use. It says, while their conscience bears witness. When I was a little boy, I was about four years old. I remember going down the grocery store. It was just a block from our house. And I went down there and I wanted to piece of bubble gum. It's all the way down the bottom shelf, but I didn't have the three cents it took. That tells you how old I am. It's three cents to buy a piece of all that pink bubble gum that tasted so good. Remember, it had a yellow and red and blue package, and I looked at that gum, and I thought, boy, I want that gum, but I didn't have three cents. So I decided, you know what I'll do? I'll just grab me a piece and take it, and no one will know. So I took that gum, and I took it out from underneath on the bottom shelf, put it down in my pocket, and looked around a little bit, and walked around, and walked out of the store. Boy, I was happy. I had me a piece of gum. I was so excited to chew that. I could already, my mouth was about water and I could taste that sugar already. I got behind that store and I took that gum out of the wrapper and put that in my mouth. And it was like I had a mouthful of guilt and shame. And I thought, what have I done? See, I, I didn't even understand really stealing at that time. And hey, I was young enough and everything was mine. You know, the world was mine, whatever. But when I put that in my mouth, it was like just solid guilt. And I thought, oh no, I've made made a mistake. I've stolen something and this isn't right. See, my mom wasn't there yelling at me, telling me I did wrong. The storekeeper didn't come out and scream and threaten to call the police, but I knew in my heart that what I did was wrong. And I remember I was ta- I chewed that gum and it was the worst tasting gum I'd ever tasted in all my life because my heart, the law of God was written on my heart when I was a young man. And what, let's keep reading the scripture while their conscience also bears witness. So it's written on my heart, but then my mind's also fighting. No one's hey, you've done wrong. You've sinned. You've made a mistake. And then it says, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. Their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So it is actually damaging. Dr. Caroline Lee says this, when you do something that you know is wrong continually over and over again, you're actually damaging your brain. When I say uh, these ex- extreme lefts, extreme liberals, when they when I say they're brain damaged, they're actually doing 
doing damage to their brain. I'm not saying that lightly as a joke. They are hardening their heart. They're hardening their mind against the things of God. We now can't tell a kid if they're a male or a female. We can't say it's right or wrong to kill a baby. Everything's a choice. Everything's subjective. Listen, this is seated in the pits of hell. We need to be so very careful of this idea. There is a truth. There is a God. Well, why would they want to believe this? Why? Let's just entertain this. Why? Well, think about it. Because the fact is, if we know from right or wrong, then that means if we do know right and wrong, if we can say there's a right and wrong, that means it points to a moral law. And that's exactly what most people don't want to do. This culture doesn't want to say, okay, there's a moral law. Why? Because if you point to a moral law, it points to a moral law giver. Why? Because if a moral law giver points to a supreme ruler. In Hinduism, there's 33 million gods. 33 million deities. Think about it. There can't be, and some of them are higher, some of them are lower, some of them are equal. Well, there has to be one God that's more powerful. There has to be one God that's right, because otherwise they wouldn't be God. We're theists. We believe in the one true God. That, and this, is a, this points to a supreme ruler. People that want to live an immoral lifestyle in their own ideas, in their own thoughts, in their own hearts, and do evil, they don't want to point to a supreme ruler. They don't want to say, you know, God has the right to say that I'm right or wrong. So really, when they're pointing at people, when they're pointing at Christians, they're saying, you have no right. Really, what they're trying to say is, is I don't want to believe in a supreme ruler. They know in their hearts when there's something wrong, but they'll harden their hearts and they'll harden their back and they'll bow their neck and they'll say, hey, I am not going to believe you are wrong. You are narrow minded. Who are you to tell me I'm right or tell me I'm wrong? And think about that statement. You know, you're wrong. Aren't they making a moral law saying that they're morally better than the Christian is? Morally better than the person that's... Isn't that a judgment? Judge not lest you be judged, but isn't that a judgment against me? No, we don't. they don't want to talk about that. Friends, I don't tell people they're right and they're wrong. When I look at the scripture and I talk about something that's such a hot topic in our schools and such a hot topic in our culture, like homosexuality, I just simply go to the scripture in Romans chapter 1 verse 27 and it says you know that men will be given over to not natural things and they'll actually have love for one another that men will love one another it says it's wrong it says it's not right i can love the homosexual but i can't say it's okay to be gay it's okay to be straight it's okay to be bi it's okay to be a girl but be a boy and a boy to be a girl that's horrible that's that's not even right hey why don't we just call it what we used to why don't we just call it sin if we want to be given to alcohol and be a drunkard then it's just sin We don't want to call anything sin anymore. You know what? That is such a destructive thing. Think about it. So we just don't call it sin. We just don't call it death. We just let everybody do whatever and they fall off into a devil's hell and burn for an eternity. I was listening to someone talk the other day and they said, you know, you really just want to talk about the love of God and the more you love God and live your lifestyle, you know, then the more people will see it. Well, you know, that might be true, but sometimes God calls us to be able to be truthful with someone. Many times he says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 32. You know, we need to be the Jesus was full of grace, the Bible says, and full of truth. But I'm afraid even in the church, we believe this so much that we can't actually use a solid truth. We just need to love people. Well, telling someone the truth is love. That's part of it. It's hand in hand. But Jesus. 
Jesus was full of grace, full of truth. He had both things figured out. He looked at the Pharisees and he said, you're a den of whitewashed tombs. He said, "There's." he said, you're of your father, the devil. Can you imagine walking up to one of these moral relativists and say, hey, you know, you're like the devil. Can you imagine if a preacher did that and that hit social media, what the world would do to him? Jesus did that. He said, you've made my father's house a den of thieves, he told the Pharisees. I mean, the thing is, is that we got to be so careful. This thing of moral relativism is creeping into our schools. It's creeping into our churches. It's creeping into our society. And we're losing God. We're losing faith. We're losing the idea of the gospel. Because like my, I heard someone say the other day, I started to mention, you know, it's just let them just live your life in front of them. Well, most people's not paying attention, but God gives you opportunity. God gives you time and chances after chance. Imagine if they had cancer and you were the doctor. And you just said, well, I'm not sure what's wrong, but you knew they had a tumor that could be removed with surgery. I'm not sure what's wrong. You know, whatever you think's wrong, won't you just look it up on Google? And you knew there was a tumor there? You would be sued for malpractice. You'd lose your license if you were a doctor. Of course you'd want to know. And by the way, people that believe in no moral law, what are they going to do if their spouse cheats on them? What are they going to do if their house gets broken into and someone in their family gets murdered? I bet there'll be a moral law then. We have divorced common sense in America today. And this idea, this lack of any moral law, I thank God there's a moral law. Am I ever going to measure up? Well, I sure hope to shout that I may not ever be able to measure up like I should be, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. What's the scripture saying, Luke 10, 27? Thou shalt love the Lord God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. This faith thing's going to take our strength. Yes, it's the strength of God that holds us, but we, it's going to take everything we got. And with all thy mind, you know, I'm afraid we're losing faith in the people walking away from the church because when they come to church, they check out their mind. Oh, they may raise their hands and worship, but they aren't dedicated to the scripture, learning the things of God, learning what right and wrong is, learning where the scriptures are to be able to tell people, you know, the truth of the scripture. I'm afraid we've now checked our mind out at the doors and said, we just go to church to relax and, and cop a field. No, we're to worship God with all of our mind and love our neighbor as thyself. Listen, friends, this faith thing, it takes work. That's a a dirty word in church today. I hear people all the time, don't get people caught up on work salvation. Well, what did James say? He said, faith without works is dead. No, we're not saved by our works, but true faith, that substance, you know, the substance that's in us, that hope that's in us, that substance will work. Faith will work. In the house of God, we've become anemic and we've become slothful in the house of God. Hey, friends, I'm not talking about one person. I'm talking about the church as a whole. I was so encouraged the other day. I went and taught that youth group at that youth, the youth camp, and there's about 10 kids that raised their hand and knew more than one scripture that had memorized it, and none of those kids were over 16 years old. I thought that was just amazing. You know, I thought thought these kids have learned it. Well, what about us? What about us parents? What about us? What scriptures do we know? Whenever we say someone should go to church, do we know what the scripture says in Hebrews, that you should not forsake the assembly yourselves together as others have done? Do we know the scriptures? Are we learning those things? Are we learning what real truth is? Are we convinced deep in our spirit what's right and what's wrong? And will we stand up and say, that's not right. That's wrong. People are slipping off into the devil's hell, friends. We don't have time for this nonsense of what the culture tells us we should believe. We are peculiar people. 
people. We're to be set apart. Jesus said one thing for sure, you will be persecuted. You will subdue persecution. If you are truly doing the work of God, someone's not going to like what you're saying. Someone's not going to like what you're doing. Your family might not like what you're doing. But what about seeing souls saved? What about seeing lives changed? What about seeing people set free? What about seeing that? Friends, I hope this word's been good to you. And thank you for listening. And I pray that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'm encouraged because I believe we have the answer. I believe we should know the reason, the hope that's inside of us. And I believe we can share with all the work. God bless you, friends.